You're listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, forward-looking conversations for those who believe that donor growth is possible. Every week, we'll explore a thought-provoking topic to help build deeper relationships with more of your donors. We are your hosts, Luis Diaz and Mike Dirksen. Now let's get into it. Luis, how are we going to acquire new podcast listeners? We're going to get lots of hamster wheels. We're going to put them in a funnel, a three-dimensional funnel. And yes. then we're going to throw hamsters in it yes. and turn on the blending machine. That's the secret. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not blending hamsters on the Donor Growth Podcast. Don't, don't come after us. We are not harming animals, but putting them in a blender. No animals have been harmed in the recording of this episode. Yeah, this is, this is Donor Acquisition Part 2. Last week's episode, we talked about some of the ways that donor acquisition has been getting harder and more expensive and how if you want to acquire donors using things like the mail or or, or digital donor acquisition, you need budget and you need a time horizon. It doesn't happen automatically overnight. It takes consistency over time and it takes investment. And for many organizations, they don't have either of those. They don't, they don't have the stomach to invest for a long period of time, and they feel like they don't have a lot of time to acquire new donors. Notice I said feel, mm-hmm. but that is a perception that some organizations have. Yeah, or cash flow sometimes. So I, I'm, I'm talking with lots of organizations in really early growth stages, and it's kind of like, where do you start building the house? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and it is an investment, and it, it has risk to some extent. You know, Mike and I are going to put forward the idea that it's fairly predictable. So there are percentages you can expect, but still, it's over time. It's kind of in the the, the law of the big numbers. You have to do a certain amount of it until you hit the, your stride. Yeah, yeah. So, at a certain yeah. at, at at a certain point, I we've talked about just doing more for the sake of more. At a certain point, there's a point of diminishing returns. But in in early days and in especially in acquisition, just more is more is is a good is a good sort of rule of thumb. Like to a degree, it is a volumes game, which kind of sucks to be honest. But there are ways exactly. to be. Yeah, I, I found it liberating, Mike, to understand the expected percentages of what one's how one step goes to the next. So you can expect. X amount of people who visit your website to sign up for a newsletter. And you can improve that over time, but still it's, you know, less than 1%, what 0.3% maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. but once you know that, Hey, like the sky's the limit. Let's either get more people visiting the website or let's do something on the website. Mm -hmm. That's more appealing, more enticing for people to sign up, you know, and then the next step of all those people, you can expect a certain amount but it's you know re- relatively stable amount you know one percent or whatever of or even higher if it's a highly engaged group right of people who really engage with your newsletter to become you know donors so yeah it sucks but I also found that having clarity around what typically happens is very helpful yeah let's talk about okay so last last week we talked about how those things are hard and they're expensive let's talk about some other ways that can help donor acquisition today. And just because I have a really bad memory, we talked about direct mail acquisition, mostly. Yeah, direct mail acquisition and mostly, I believe, paid digital is mostly what we got into last week. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I guess a kind of dumb way out of this also is what you're calling acquisition. If it's totally cold owners who have never given to you or it's reactivation. So sometimes you actually could do acquisition techniques with people that you already have on your, in your database. That's one way to, you know, not improve the results in a, I guess, more palatable way for lots of orgs. Yeah. So helpful clarifier. So we were mostly, if you listen to last week's episode and we talked about some numbers, we were mostly talking about cold acquisition that was going to people not on not in your CRM already, not in not in your house file, so to speak. In terms of digital, it is going to semi-warm well not 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 semi-warm. It is going to warmer audiences because at first you go to people who are similar to the people in your list already. And as you start to expand, you go to colder and colder and colder audiences and you have a diminishing rate of return on your spend. Mm, yeah. Okay. So what's the stuff that's working? Let's talk first about the multiple steps that people are using now instead of trying to take people from cold to donor directly. I think that's an important category of tactics that lots of people think, ooh, you know, fundraising or direct response fundraising. It's only about getting people to give. And they're not thinking of how all those previous steps are actually improving your your batting average. Right. Yeah. Last week's conversation was about interrupting somebody's day with a piece of mail that asks them to send a gift. <laughs> like pure sort of direct response. I think today we're going to start talking about, to your question, Louis, what are other things you can do that might help those efforts, that might help a direct mail piece, or that might help a paid ad, but that are very much hard to track, hard to attribute, a little bit little bit longer game, a little bit more trust building, a little bit more brand building, brand building in the sense of people knowing who you are and what you do, not people knowing I the mean, Pantone color of your logo. I have to say, Mike, that the biggest impediment that I see to this family of tactics is the complexity. So... If you're attracting somebody so that they take an action on your website, typically in a way that results in you getting their email, mm-hmm. and then you want to develop that relationship over time. My most common experience has been that, while well, we don't have the software to do that. Setting that up seems very complicated. Mm-hmm. you know. And for some types of organizations, even the mindset of you know, what would we even talk about? in those things those have been like the the primary blockers the primary things standing in people's way but it's an effective tactic and once you set it up it gives you a ton of data and it is scalable you know it's a, a series of automated processes no yeah so that's a really positive thing about it yeah let's start here okay what is working in acquisition is trust or or moving the needle on trust and so not asking for a gift in the first interaction rather asking for an email address rather asking somebody to do to download something whether it's gated or ungated gated as in it requires an email address ungated it does not require an email address 
it's basically giving, trying to give as much value as possible to somebody who might be interested in your cause. Yeah. I see. I've, I've imagined two main ways to build this trust. One is making gifts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you like the person that shows up at your house with gifts. And there supposedly are certain behavioral science, you know, things, reciprocity. There's certain instincts that start to kick in. And the second one is doing stuff together, which we've talked about in other episodes, the community building, mm-hmm. which is involved, somewhat scalable. Although, again, most nonprofits are thinking of this in terms of in-person events, and that's a lot of work. But, you know, those you either you're making gifts or you're getting people together to do something. Yep. All right. Let's start with the first one, making gifts. Making gifts as in giving stuff away, right? Not making a monetary gift to your donors, but as in like 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 depositing into the trust bank by being very generous. What are some ways that we can be generous, that we can make gifts? You can put together digital resources and that's that's a huge area of opportunity podcasts ebooks reports you can ask people for their opinions surveys quizzes mm. petitions the digital stuff is yeah. nice we have yeah. the traditional mentality of premiums is kind of an example of that when you know you have but you know yeah the other, the other digital stuff is just such a good idea mm-hmm. so, so those, are, those are ways of ma- yeah those are ways of doing that digitally are there ways of doing that non-digitally <laughs> well events is a very mm-hmm. traditional way to do it right yeah you're inviting people to things i still think that events have i don't know what you think mike but are have so much potential still to be used better for fundraising in general so typically we have the engagement department and those are the ones putting on the events but we're not getting data. We're not leading people through a journey to get, you know, so there's a lot of opportunity there. That's another gift, you know, come and learn from our researcher, come and hear about our projects in Africa. Right. I'm a, I'm a big fan of events, but I need to, but I always need to qualify it. So if you've listened to episode number 52, which is fire festival and incurable addiction of special events, I think we called it. In that episode, we talked about the real money in events is like before and after, which is what you do before the event and then what you do in the follow-up after the event. And special events can be a fantastic way of gaining new donors. In 2017, we took a database from 300 people to 3,000 people by hosting 16 events across the country. Now, it was very mission-aligned and very mission-aligned event. And the virtue of the people who showed up to the event, the kind of person who might be interested in this specific type of event we put on was already a qualified donor, so to speak, because by virtue of being at the event, they already cared about a specific thing. So they can be, they can be a great way of, of acquiring donors. They have morphed into non-mission aligned things where it's golf tournaments and galas with raffles and giveaways and other stuff that's just become how can we entertain people which i think mm-hmm. is great if you think about entertaining people fantastic if you can educate and entertain and have somebody walk away having had a good time that's good if you can do that in a way that is completely mission aligned 
and they walk away knowing a ton more about your org and actually feeling excited about being part of it, that's gooder, right? So <laughs> events like are... Like something I would say. There yeah. are companies that put on these events for high net worth individuals in, in a retreat style environment, and they're very effective. So... Yeah, another so that's another gift that the nonprofit. I, I mean, this whole thing, I love it because it's putting on its head the typical mentality that we have as fundraisers in nonprofits, which is my role here is to ask and the donors is to give. Right. Um, you're starting it the other way around. I've even read some studies where for cold traffic, again, for cold people who do not know a whole lot about you, they tested two things. One of them was asking for a direct gift. The other one was offering a course and then asking for a gift in the follow-up to the course. Mm -hmm. That was twice as effective than the direct gift ask. So Mike said, this takes time. You have to build trust over time, yada, yada. Yes and no. At some level, it's also just more effective in the immediate transaction. So I think, you know, we think there's a lot going for this. What happens? Okay, Mike. So let's say we, we've convinced people today that this is a good idea. Okay, you know, I need to start offering things. Some of those, if you if you're mission aligned and if you put all the components correctly together, will make a gift when they're signing up for that resource that you're gifting. Many won't. Is that is that lost traffic? Is that, you know, are those lost people to you? What should we be doing in our relationship with them? No. So I'll give you a great example of this. If we're assuming here that you got an email address or an address or some sort of way of contacting them because you had to deliver a gift some sort of way, and typically you deliver that via email or or via some other way, so that you are still able to communicate with them. And so we we have these welcome automation series that we that we create for clients, and they're very much focused on getting a reply back from a donor. And so I, I was just reviewing responses this morning. And this is what a donor awesome. wrote, wrote back to a CEO saying, and they're replying to an email from the CEO and the CEO says that, the, you know, thank you so much for your gift. I'd love to know what, what, what prompted your gift today, because it's an amazing thing. Please hit reply to this email and let me know. And so this donor who made a first time gift said, thank you for this note. Actually, I've heard about organization many years ago and was very impressed from what I've read. I've been receiving emails from organization but confess among so many good charities that I care about, I have not sent a donation in way too long. It seemed to me I had supported org in the past, but they weren't quite sure. And this is a new donor, so they actually hadn't. But in their mind, they thought, oh, I thought I had been involved at some point. Um, mm -hmm. And I kept meaning to send in another gift. Recently, several things reminded me of the terrible reality of sex slavery. And your email was the nudge I needed to make my donation. So what a wonderful, like a donor telling wow. you their journey and you're like, okay, you know. Well, so hot off the presses, we're reading this straight from a direct donor response in one of your campaigns, Mike. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So like, is it a wasted email or a waste? No, it's just the people don't follow the funnel the way we want them to follow it. They do it on, on yeah. their own time and, and, they, it is, and their journey looks weird. The donor journeys we create just won't map up with the journeys people take. Okay, so my takeaway, this is totally tongue-in-cheek, it's not my takeaway, but we should send more appeals telling people that they already gave and they should make another gift, even if they've never given. 
No, don't um, do that. But um, I'm, I'm gonna you no, know, because because here I'm gonna keep reading the email. All right, it was the nudge course, I needed to on. make to make my donation. What impresses me so much about Org is that you work on so many levels, from freeing the slaves to training justice workers and holding criminals accountable. All of it is so desperately needed. This donor even knew the different facets of the work that the organization does because the org doesn't just ask for money all the time. They do lots of engagement, lots of in between asks. They do a lot of reporting back. They do lots of they try to do lots of public education. They work very much with churches across the country to to engage the public in the cause. So all of these things that aren't just asks that are actually doing something entertaining, educating, or emotionally valuable for somebody. Socially valuable too. I love this. And I think you've illustrated a huge point, which is actually most nonprofits after a certain size are actually doing a lot of the components of this. It's in how you put them together. And so it's not so much the what it's the how and I find that to be a, a conversation that where lots of people get stuck. Oh, but we're already doing events. Oh, but we're already putting out reports. Well, yes, but you're you're not taking people along a journey that at some point you know involves a gift, and and exi- so lot some organizations are doing welcome series. When I go in to review them, I'm looking at one right now for a fantastic org. They're not inviting. And it's so funny that that you said that. So for folks who who think Mike and I are, are mind melded and work together hand in hand every day, that desk to desk, we actually do not. We mostly see each other at this recording once a week. But it's so funny that I'm rewriting a don- new new subscriber welcome series, and I did exactly the same thing in the first one. You, you know, so instead of just saying thank you so much, our organization has been saving blah for <laughs> blah since blah. You're welcome to the family. Uh, please come and tell us how wonderful we are whenever you want. Yeah, you know, I actually put a, put in some answers. So <laughs> the, it's kind of like the craft of fundraising that I feel yep. sometimes we bring to to the table. Um, yeah, that's important. All right. So we talked about making gifts as in being generous on the front end and leading with generosity, actually being like, hey, I made this for you and there's no expectation to give a gift. But if you would like to be part of this, we'd sure love to have you on the team. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is doing stuff together. DST, doing stuff together. Oh, I like it. I like it. Okay. So yes, you make a gift. You might ask for a gift in return to support that work, and then you you set up a, a some a welcome series, hopefully, because you have an email there. Another approach, and I'm just going to take two examples. One of them is from the Donor Participation Project, this group that I host, where just the fact of coming up with things to do together Actually, there's some science behind it. I discovered it be- before I knew that, but it's it's a trust building mechanism. So you start to you start to write a white paper with a group of people. You start to organize a conference. If you're doing a gala, you put together a committee, and they're you know and they're criticizing the rubber chicken for weeks. You know, and okay, that's not the best for the event as a mass donor acquisition tactic, but for that specific group, it's a huge trust builder. You know, and if you so happen to have some people with major gift potential there, that might make the whole effort worth it. You know, I mean, let's Mm -hmm. praise the rubber chicken. Yeah. So and that's a component that's 
often not appreciated. Why? One is because that trust building is kind of invisible. Two, because it takes time. So it's not, well, we put in an event, we did a fun, you know, we played a game together, or we we did a virtual reality presentation of our work saving people from sex trafficking, right? It re- actually requires repetition over time. Yeah. It doesn't have to be very involved. It can be done in a very low-cost way. We get together with professionals all over the country, and we work in a Google Doc, right? But then we're making jokes about each other. We're making mistakes. Somebody, you know, we were laughing, and you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what's what's building trust. I would say a, that's a lesser-known tactic. Uh, I think it's quite scalable, but it's not mainstream. No, and some sure. and some orgs are already doing this without knowing it. And in fact, it's turned into ritual and tradition and lore. Oh, yeah. For Very example, cool. like a lot of a lot of a lot of universities in the u.s this happens a lot more in the u.s than in canada homecoming is like a big yeah. thing right and reunions. reunions and that's turned into like tradition and and like this part of what we do every year or every whatever few years and you come back and you like do things together and you have i was at this one where there was like a specific dance that they do and everybody knows about this dance and like it's time for this very specific hyper-specific dance right but like there's like people in their 90s who are doing it because they did it when they were on campus right and you go to the weirdest places mike no i actually really do like you don't yeah if if you (laughs) it gets weird in the religious world so sometimes that that like you know you're already maybe doing some of those things Uh or or the things that you start you know maybe the the rubber chicken committee maybe that becomes tradition once a year the rubber chicken committee gets together and it's just something that we do we had i used to work at a place that eight thousand volunteers a year eight thousand and a consultant came in doing the the lean the toyota yeah. way the the oh. name it's like an assessment and she came up with like a lot of amazing ways for those clothes to be sorted more efficiently and packed better and like she got with rid of six volunteers. she got rid of six thousand volunteers she's like check this out you're it's you're, you're ter- terribly inefficient right and the CEO, to his credit, like chucked the report in the trash. And he's uh-huh. like, we know we could be more effective. Um, but he had a hunch. That's not the point. That's That's not not the point. point. Yeah. Now, where the org kind of fell short is actually asking those 8,000 volunteers for money. There's okay. a policy of like, we don't, we don't ask for money. So but again, we're, yeah. we're back at square one. These things are happening. It's just... Ah, oh, it's so frustrating. It's like we are not connecting the dots. And it's not yeah. a bad thing to ask for a gift to support that same work, to support the volunteering program. Yeah. I see that time and time again. So yeah. So sometimes I feel like my work sometimes with inside teams, you know, with with, an, with our nonprofit clients is you're you're kind of like a change management consultant more than a direct response person. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so two ways that you that help with acquisition. One is being generous and making gifts, and number two is doing stuff together. Actually, getting people together and have them do something together. But there's a good book, right? It's called Get Together. I, yeah, and it's um, hard to find online because obviously, Get Together is you know. Uh, yeah. Let's if, if anybody who's with us wants to learn about it, go just search for Get Together the book, something like that, yeah. or Get Together community book. And it will pop up. It's a very easy read. And I like that. And in fact, it's written by people who were at Facebook when groups, 
Facebook groups started to explode. Apparently, the people at Facebook didn't understand why this was so successful. Yep. So yeah, good good stories in the book. How people have started running groups. How people have started all sorts of like getting together type initiatives that gained steam yeah. and that built sort of mini movements of their own. Yeah, so it's yep. the movement building piece. As long as we're still asking for a gift, like Mike just pointed out. Yep. At some point, uh, you know, not all the time. Yeah, yep. important points in the journey. Scalability. I'll, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, scalability. I don't think we should worry about scalability. And I'm not okay. saying that facetiously. I just think like if you're getting started with this, like who cares if it scales or not? Just do it. Do something. Move forward. Get people together. Be generous, make, make gifts, just try it. Over time, you will figure out what scales and what doesn't. And if you're at a point where you're like, oh no, this is so successful, how are we going to scale it? Man, what a fantastic problem to have. So for now, I wouldn't worry about that too much. But I will say this, the stuff that scales, direct mail, email, digital, that will only become, that will only perform better if you're doing the things you talked about today. It's it's like a rising tide lifts all boats. So the stuff that doesn't scale actually has an effect on the stuff that does scale. You heard it from Mike Dorkson today. I think we're in a good place to wrap up this acquisition hamster wheel episode. No hamsters or wheels were harmed today. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, brought to you by the Donor Participation Project and BuildGood.com. If you found today's episode helpful, please help us by sharing it with a friend, posting about it on LinkedIn, or giving it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, remember that donor growth is possible.